Let's go. Let's get it. Scott, you got my you got mic on? Yep. Nice. Okay, so the... Um, I got intro, word, Smith testimony, yep. healing theology, practice of healing, why it doesn't work, yeah. and then final question, how do I get going on this? Sweet. Cool. All right. Uh, oh, add prayer in there. You got to pray after, the, after your word, maybe. Cool. Dude, I got a prayer, man. Nice. I'll intro football to you, and then we'll go from there. This is going to be fun. How we did this last time. All right, welcome to the forge. I gotta leave more space so we can clip it. Hey, welcome to the forge podcast, where pastors are gonna sit down and we're going to. No, that's stupid. Um, how did I say it last time? I'm trying to remember now. I should have wrote this down. Um, you your name or something. Welcome to the forge. I'm Pastor Matt. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. <sighs> Give it a couple seconds. Hey, welcome to the Forge Christian Podcast. We're still playing around with the name, but we really want to aim this towards uh, pastors and church leaders having conversations um, that open up the eyes to, no, because I don't want it to be just about for pastors, but we are pastors. That's the problem. Okay. So, um, seasoned saints, the little poop your diaper saints. And, and seasoned ain'ts. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um. All right, guys. Okay. All right. Hey, welcome to the Forge Christian Podcast. We're still playing around with the name, but my name is Pastor Matt. This is uh, Matt. Matt, Matt. God, this is stupid. Um, Not like I'm going to nail it. It's a conversation. Why am I being stupid? Um, All right. Hey, welcome to The Forge, a Christian podcast for both pastors, leaders, freshly saved, seasoned saints, and everyone in between, where Pastor Matt, myself, and our amazing young Micah here from Takeover Church, we're going to sit here and we're going to have deep conversations about uh, hot topics that are going on in the church currently, about things that are um, that are happening in the church at large, whether that's healing, like we'll be speaking about today, whether that's um, deliverance and demonization and things like that, or even just, you know, the the mishaps and failings of prolific church leaders and how we can do our best to avoid that happening to us and falling into the trap. And really the goal and the aim of the forge is just that, to be forged by God into steel that can be trusted in battle, that steel that can be trusted in the fight for the salvation of the souls of many and even your own sanctification. Because truthfully, Micah, so many Christians today, what, we are deconstructing, we're blowing up our faith. We're walking away from things because of what other Christians have done, not even not even predicated on the failings of our God, which we know he's unable to do. So truly, this whole podcast and this whole thing that we're taking time to plan and pray and, and prepare for um, is truly set up so that we can just have these deep conversations. You can be a voyeur and listen in with us, and you can hopefully be equipped and just galvanized in the forge into the image and likeness of Jesus alongside us here at Takeover Church. So young Micah, how the heck are you, bro? I am doing great. Uh, that intro just got me fired up. But Let's go. I was fired up before that. We just got done praying. We had like a 30-minute prayer session. Just 
shouting, screaming. Yeah. He was crying. I, yeah, I was. I, I didn't cry. I cry a lot. I cry a lot. Oh, there's a camera this time. We cry a lot. We cry a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get into this topic today, the topic of healing. Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenging topic. It's something you got to wrestle with. Uh, but this is one of those things where if you don't believe it, everybody knows you don't believe it. You don't see it. <laughs> and if you do want to see it, then you got to believe it first. Yeah, and, yeah. and I love it when you say, if you want to see the Bible, you got to believe the Bible. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do our best to give the theology on it and then our own testimonies, some testimonies of some legends, um, not us, other people. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to get into the, the practical stuff of how you can walk this out in your daily life. Uh, but before we get into that, I feel like I have a word for... Let's go. Uh, this will apply to a lot of people that are going to be listening. Uh, and then we're just going to pray before we head into this uh, little episode here. Yeah. Uh, but my word right now, as we were praying, the Lord was just hitting me and reminding me that Christians need to understand that keeping the fire burning in your relationship with God, that is your personal responsibility. Thousand percent. It is your personal responsibility. And I want to speak to the, the newly saved right now. You might be wondering, has God left me? Because I don't feel him the same way that I did when I first converted. I don't feel him the same way that I did at that summer camp. Has God really gotten bored of me and moved on to somebody else? I want to say to you, the reason you don't feel that fire of God right now is because you haven't recognized the importance of your role of keeping the fire going. 100%. God is still there. He's still at your side, but you have allowed your flesh to provide a veil between you and him. Yeah. So you're still saved, but you don't feel his presence because you haven't built the discipline yeah. to walk alongside him. Yeah. And we got a lot of seasoned saints who are feeling the exact same way. And I'm here to tell you, the reason you don't feel that fire of God is because you've slipped into the mundane, you've slipped into the religious, and you haven't really taken God up on all of his promises in this yeah. scroll. Yeah. If, if you are a seasoned saint, and you don't feel that burning fire. Yeah. You feel like you're just ready for retirement. <laughs> you're just ready to do your daily morning Devo, and then you're going to live your own life from there. But yeah. you genuinely love Jesus. He hasn't left you. Right. He's saying to you, I am here. I am ready. I am available. But you aren't doing your job yeah. of kindling and stoking the flame. 100%. God always wants to burn, but he's got always. to have something to burn upon. Always. How, what logs are you putting on that personal fire? It's like retirement or revival. Choose, choose your own adventure. One dies, and the other one continues to live and thrive and continue to be this amazing, immaculate, burning bride that Jesus says, uh, I'm coming back for, is a remnant yes. that is on fire. And, uh, and I agree. I, um, I, I think of all the times in my own life, been walking with the Lord 17 years, been in ministry for 17 years, been going hard for him for 17 years, and I've had seasons of just getting lazy of being bored and I'm like I've never once seen the apostle Paul be like I'm bored today I've never once read Peter who's like obviously went from chief stupid to 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 the lead pastor of the early church and it's like even Peter's never been like yeah I was bored today didn't ha didn't find anybody to lay hands on didn't find anybody to cast demons out of didn't uh didn't have an awesome time of prayer I just uh just had a real boring Monday and it's like as Christians, I understand the world has evolved, so to speak, uh, but it's 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 re it's regressed as well. And so, while we may think that our lives are so full, the thing that our life isn't full enough of is God, and 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 we've got to fight that with everything we have. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I agree. I think the I think 
revival is your responsibility, um, and retirement is your inability to keep the fire going. And yep. we got to fight that tooth and nail. It's, it's always available, and it's not always, not every prayer time is fireworks, but are you, right. are you willing to be faithful to yeah. God? Not every date night with your spouse is fireworks. You yeah. know what are I mean? Are you going to stop but, dating? Right, exactly. But it's like you are, you are continuing to pour into your marriage, just like you need to pour into your marriage with Christ, your relationship with him. I mean, it's just a part of it. Like we'd love for every single moment with our earthly relationships to be fireworks and crazy things happening and the most intimate and whatever. And it's like, it's not always going to be that way. You're lying to yourself yeah. if you are just looking it's at Hollywood romanticized ideas of what marriage and, and relationship and all these things are supposed to look like. And, and you are being lied to based off Instagram of the highlight reels of pastors. And it's like, yep. we're here to talk about it today where it's like, yeah, of course we post the highlight reels. We're trying to build faith. We're trying to get you to buy in. We're trying to uh, raise some saints up who are gonna believe the word of God so we can actually see the word of God. However, you gotta understand that for every highlight reel on Instagram, there are 10, 20, 30 mundane moments with the Lord where you have just gone, I'm just gonna be faithful even in this moment, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm not seeking him to get deep revelation on a sermon I'm going to preach or a Bible study I'm going to lead or uh, a word that I need to like craftily articulate with him in a secret place then to deliver to my friend. Like so many of them are just being with him. And I think right now in this hour, he's looking for a bride that simply wants to be with him, you know? Amen. Come Amen. on, great word, young Micah. That's, that's the summary of the word. If you're wondering why you're dry and 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 the fire isn't burning, yeah. but you look at your life and you see you're not disciplined, yeah. you have no right to blame God right. for why you're dry. So right. get disciplined, pray, yeah. fast, read the word. Right. Um, we're not going <laughs> to, moving on to the healing. Well, okay, hold on real quick. So just, I know we're going to keep doing this. It's okay. We got all the time in the world. Um, one of the things I think about is like everyone wants a church of Ephesus that Paul passed on to Timothy, right? We all want a 10,000 person church. We all want it to keep just ramping and revival to be just absolutely insane and it's crippling governments around us. You know, it's changing the marketplace. We all want that. Uh, problem is um, by the time uh, revelation comes around and Jesus is set to return, Ephesus doesn't look like that. Jesus says of Ephesus, you've lost your first love. So, so we all want revival, but Jesus wants us to keep our first love. Like revival has to be unto a chief end, and that's Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you're listening to this today, young or old, um, exploring Jesus for the first time, let me tell you, there is no exploring Jesus. You either die and he lives or you reject him. And from that place, you have got to decide, am I going to live for the thousands or I'm going to live for the one? Because the one should be your first love, and it's got to be Jesus. Amen. I, I was praying yesterday in the phrase... Christianity isn't a lifestyle. It is life. Right. The other option is death. Which is why I like so much that Todd White named his school and his ministry lifestyle Christianity. It's not Christianity lifestyle. It reverses it. It's yeah, the same reason yeah. I don't say my prayer life. I don't, my prayer, my prayer life doesn't have a life. I have a life of prayer. Yep. Like it's ridiculous. Oh, my prayer life is suffering. I'm sorry. Are you jailed with Silas singing praises at midnight? Are, my prayer life is suffering. No, 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 you're suffering because you don't have a life of prayer. Stoke the flame. Yeah, 100%. We could go off on this for hours, yep. but we do have a particular assignment today. And with that assignment, we're going to talk about healing. And with that great word, you want to share an awesome testimony. Is that from our brother, Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth. All right. If you haven't heard of him. Kicking babies and, and dropping pregnant yes. women. And, he, he is yeah. a, an absolute legend in the faith. Um, and I promise you the reason why he's not as popular as he should be is because he's super charismatic. 
Yeah. If, if he was just a good preacher and didn't do all these miracles, he would probably be more popular among all the denominations. Right. Um, but if, if you're a Pentecostal, you've definitely heard of him. If you're really charismatic, you've probably heard of him. But if you grew up in a Methodist church like me, nobody's talking about this guy. And it's because of this story that I'm about to read right here. All right, this is from his Faith Collection book. He says, But to return to the case of Brother Mitchell, I hurried down to the house, and as I got near, I heard terrible screams. I knew that something had happened. I passed Mrs. Mitchell on the staircase and asked, What is up? She replied, He is gone. He is gone. I just passed her and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. He was dead. I could not understand it, but I began to pray. My wife always was afraid that I would go too far, and she laid hold of me and said, Don't, Dad, don't you see that he is dead? I continued to pray, and my wife continued to cry out to me, Don't, Dad, don't you see that he is dead? But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my own faith, and then God laid a hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me, and a solid peace came into my heart. I shouted, he lives, he lives, he lives, and he is living today. Boom. Raise him from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that? No, I think that's so good. I think, I think one of the things that is absolutely um, needed when we talk about Smith Wigglesworth is he wasn't even, he wasn't even the, the minister in his family. Smith Wigglesworth started off as a plumber. He was a prolific plumber in uh, Bradford, England back in the day, and his, he helped his wife run a small gospel missions. She was a preacher. He, could, he had a stuttering problem. He was so insecure, and one day just God called his name, yep. like just touched him, and a plumber literally became an amazing healing uh preacher, pastor, uh, Tinker Taylor, soldier, spy of heavens. And it's amazing. And stories like that are in abundance with him simply because a, a layman, so to speak, this is, speaks to what we're going to talk about today because it can't just be Christians and it can't just be evangelists and it can't just be um, pastors and prolific leaders who um, have a healing ministry, so to speak. Stevens. We need Stevens. Right, yeah. We need people who are just going to be the laymen who hear the call and answer it. And, and watch what he'll do. I mean, come on. How many pastors have faithfully pastored a church of you know 300 in the middle of Idaho that no one's ever going to know about and everyone's going to hear about, which is amazing, and we absolutely honor that. And I think those guys have a front row seat in heaven. What I think is astounding is when God takes somebody who's not been interested in uh, the platform and the ministry and the things that come along with that. He just breathes on a plumber, breathes on a layman, a laywoman, and it's just like you are a normal, everyday Christian who just wants to love God well, be faithful in the marriage, and, and raise godly children. Like, and, and you're just, that's all you're aiming for, and all of a sudden, you just are open up to the flames of heaven blowing upon you, that whole personal responsibility thing. Smith just got to the place where he was like, I, I, I need to stoke the flames. My wife is doing great things for the Lord, and here I am, like, being a plumber is great, and he didn't have any ministry ambitions. That came from God breathing on him, and it's just one of those things we gotta talk about, so I love that testimony because it, again it speaks to what a layman can do when god gets a hold of you when god gets a hold of you i choked <laughs> he's a, he's unbelievable it was revival everywhere he went and he really only spoke at prayer meetings right <laughs> you just go there revival breaks out yeah um but yeah just just a cool testimony uh to stir everybody's faith 
If you don't know Smith Wigglesworth, go look him up because, yeah. honestly, that's one of his many testimonies, and I'm going to make somebody upset right now. He raised more people to life through his prayers than Jesus did and the Apostle Paul did. And I've told somebody In Jesus' that, three years of earthly ministry. In Jesus' three years. Don't get me wrong. Right. But the reason I say that is because Jesus said, greater works will you 100%. do than these. Yep. So it's, it's not, oh, man, is Smith more powerful than Jesus? No. Smith is being obedient right. to Jesus Christ. 100%. And he's getting his authority and power from that very verse in John 14 where Jesus says, greater yeah, works will you do than these. Yeah. He's giving people permission to do even more miracles and even greater yeah. miracles than Jesus did. So is Smith trying to outshine Jesus? No, he's trying to make Jesus shine brighter yeah. by taking Jesus up on his promise and saying, you said I could do more? Right. Okay, you raise a couple people. Right. Let me raise up some more. Right. That, that's the testimony 100%. right there. So yeah. if you want to make Jesus look good, then look like Jesus. 100%. Podcast Come over. Come on. Mic drop, young Micah. All right, all right. Young Mike on the track. Let's get into um, the, the theology here. Matt's gonna give us some. Wait, so why did it why did it upset these people to hear this? Uh, well, a lot of people say like, man, there's there's always this. I've ran into this a few times where I share a testimony about a healing, share a testimony about a deliverance, and people say, well, it wasn't you, it was Jesus, and I'm sitting there like obviously right obviously by the spirit of god yes yeah, yeah. so so people think that jesus has like he he has his miracles he yeah. has his testimonies yeah and if you try to touch that then you're trying to take his credit no right. no 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 you're giving him credit by doing what yeah. he did and technically it's the holy spirit doing anyways because clearly god clearly. doesn't have an ego problem he doesn't really care which one of him three of him one and three three and one of him gets the credit however like i do think that unfortunately Holy Spirit's been so spooked out recently where it's like, it's because we haven't given him any of the credit. We haven't talked to him. We haven't brought him in. And it's like, he is the, uh, he is a part of the Godhead, the Trinity that is uh, on the earth currently in ministry and moving amongst the the saints. And so it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, if we want to normalize healing, we've got to normalize Holy Spirit first. You know what I mean? Dude, he's got to run the whole show. Yeah. And... You know, going along with that question. Make Holy is, Spirit known again. Because he is great. We can't say make Holy Spirit great again. He is great. Like, we don't. He's not great because we are oblivious. He's already him. great. He's not great because right. you talk about right. him. And uh, he doesn't speak because you told him to speak. Right. He speaks because he speaks. And then now you can hear. 100%. Um, so if, if you want to know Jesus, you have to know the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about Jesus. Right. So if you try to dumb down the Holy Spirit and not talk to the Holy Spirit because you want to focus on Jesus, Right. who is going to lead you to Jesus? Right. The Holy Spirit. Drops the so, scales from your oh, eyes. Oh, man, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go on a tangent. I know we could because the conversations but, you've had and things yeah, that have happened, so, and we've all been there. So just, just the last thing before we get into the theology, not doing the ministry of Jesus the way Jesus did it is not honoring Jesus. Right. I'm not going to try not to raise somebody from the dead because I'm going to be, oh, I don't want to outshine Jesus. I don't want to steal his shine. That is so silly. It is a cop-out. If you want to honor Jesus, then do what he said yeah. you can do. It will bring the most glory to him. So that's why yeah. we are passionate about healing. Yeah, We're it's like you think Jesus is interested in a weak, impotent bride? Really? No. That's that's the that's the woman you think Jesus has the type for? Oh, I just want this weak, impotent, barely making it through life struggle bus Christian who um, is it doesn't believe anything I say, but I'm married to her. Yep. Really? That's that's what Jesus is returning for? 
Jesus doesn't want to marry a bride where when everybody looks at the couple, they think the husband is way out of her league. Right. Way out of her league. Right. And he is perfect. He's the only one who can ever die for all the sins of the world. He's done so many things we can't do, but too many Christians look at Jesus and and we say to ourselves, we can't do anything he did. No, right. no, no. That is not honoring. Right. The it's burning bridegroom is looking for a burning bride. Yes. And it's, I, I, I you would literally, uh, speaking of healing and miracles, you know, you would have to, like the Bible would, the Bible you read, if you don't believe this, literally, literally is, is the thinnest thing of all time. Like if we just remove the miraculous from scripture, what do we believe? in some moral hippie like what is this what is this and i don't i don't really give a rip what is this neutered jesus this neutered gospel this neutered holy spirit that you seem to have been fooled by i think it comes down to honest to god i think the real thing we'll get into this is it comes down to like christians aren't willing to risk uh feeling uncomfortable feeling out of their depths feeling uh that they're going to lose their reputation or something is going to get taken from them and it's like wow we're called to live upon the altar as living sacrifices you don't sacrifice anything Mm -hmm. you have christian in reputation and name alone but not in practice and certainly not in power people are dying for the faith right right now yeah as we speak yeah and we're not going to take God up on his promises here right. in America. And they're the same ones who were healing leprosy, healing syphilis, healing degenerative diseases and cancers yep. and casting out devils. And we're over here like, man, I sure want to take another photo with this uh, Starbucks latte that supports abortion. <laughs> All right. Healing theology. Let's get to the healing theology. <laughs> Shots fired. We're the forge, baby. We're in the forge. We're go. going after it. Turn the heat up. All right. All right, Matt, give us, give us the truth because we could share testimonies. We could do this and that, uh, but we want some scripture. We want to back up what we're saying with the word of God. So convince me, Matt, that healing is for today yeah. and that it's God's will to heal. Because I don't doubt, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate, I don't doubt that God can heal. I don't even doubt that he does heal, but I don't think God wants to heal every time and i don't think god wants us to go around praying for healing to everybody that's hurt and everybody that says hey pray for me pray for me i don't think he always wants to heal us matt so you, so you don't believe any prophet of the old testament you don't believe any, believe any of the three years of jesus earthly ministry and you don't believe any of the scriptures that come after it i don't know man i haven't done my research will you give me some research so i don't have to do it myself no, I don't, I don't know why you're being one of the unfaithful virgins at midnight trying to borrow some oil from me when you can go buy your own. Uh, <laughs> I, feel, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> I hope anybody who does have that stance feels personally attacked. I, uh, I, I, I honestly, I think, um, I, think, I think deconstruction comes down to, um, and the, specifically the deconstruction of, of the ministry of miracles comes down to the fact that somebody didn't go and buy their own oil. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really silly, I think, um, I think if you don't believe in healing is for today, it's because there's a part of you that you you have a greater belief and allegiance toward what God isn't able to do toward, and then over what God is able to do. And I think that if you eat the whole of the scroll the way Jesus says we must in the book of Revelation um, and that we are to do these things, I mean, look at first and foremost, um, for all my reformer guys out there, 
love love you. Uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon's great, um, but you you rest a lot of your thoughts on the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul is like the reformers Bible guy. Like they love him, and yet the Apostle Paul, who is most uh, by most scholars would say wrote the book of Hebrews, um, he's the one who says we must grow out of elementary elementary oh. teachings of Christ and Christ crucified and raising the dead and healing the sick. And we must move on to the greater glory and the things of God. Sitting here going, are you serious? If that's elementary, what, what does middle school look like? What, what does college look like? What, like? what does it look like to get a doctorate in Christianity? What does it look like? How, how sanctified, how mature, how growth are you to be um, if the Apostle Paul, like sitting here going, come on, reformers, you, you, want, you want the staunch word because Paul writes these most staunch letters, which I agree with wholeheartedly, obviously. Um, I believe in uh, the, in the infallibility of Scripture. I believe in, in, in the inherent word of God, in the inspired word of God. Absolutely. I'm sold out to every single thing in there. And if you're claiming sola scriptura, sola scriptura, where you live and die based upon the word of God, it can't be just based upon the, the verses you understand, the verses that are great life uh, advice. Like, I'm sorry, Christian, God's chief concern in the earth isn't actually you getting and achieving and obtaining everything your little heart desires. First and foremost, God's sole interest in the earth is getting, achieving, and obtaining everything his massive heart desires. And part of that is his, uh, his children, his friends, his saints, his body, his bride his people moving and acting and actually being Christ in the earth. If we're called followers of the way, why are we not practicing the way? If we're called Christians, why are, not, why are we not being little Christ like the word is? And if we're called to be little Christ, Christ literally means the Messiah, the chosen one. How are we not acting and moving in the littleness of being Christ and Messiahs and chosen ones? It's obnoxious. Well, Pastor Matt, obviously, to be a little Christian means to have a little bit of Jesus. I'm sorry, what? What scripture do you have to back that up? Because we can look through the entirety of scripture and God is calling us to live as he has lived, to die as he has died, to give miracles as he has given miracles, to raise the dead as he has risen the dead, to do all of these things in his name. He even says, if you do it in my name, my father will surely do it for you. Those are Jesus' word himself, you red letter guys, uh, trying to keep it nice, getting frustrated already. It's like, oh, I believe the red letters. No, you don't. You literally don't because your beliefs determine how you behave. And I can look at your life and see how you behave both in morality and spirituality and I can see blanketly what you, uh, what you do believe and what you don't believe. You know what I mean? So we can back this whole thing up with scripture. We can run down every single Bible verse. We can do it. We can look at James 5, 16. We can look at the verse of Peter, where Peter, the guy who denied Jesus three times, ends up going on to lead the early church. His shadow, people. Peter, who denied Jesus three times to his face, to a little girl, to other people who asked, like this chief, dumb disciple denied the Christ. The Christ who told him you would be the rock upon the church that I build. He denied that man, that lamb, that lion, that darling of heaven to a little girl who didn't have a sword, who didn't have a gun, who couldn't ruin him or cancel him on social media. Just in the streets, can't, 
literally denied Jesus. And that same guy goes on to believe in Isaiah 53 where he says it's by his stripes that we are healed. We are healed. It's been made a way. It is an open gate for you and I to walk into. And Peter goes on to quote that in his own book. It's how he lived his life. Why did Peter's shadow heal people without having to lay hands? It's because he believes we are already healed. He believes that we could just walk in that. Literally, he's walking in it and it's blessing people he, on the side. He believed it so much that his belief stirred the faith in the people around him and his faith ended up applying to the people that walked by him. Yeah. We're, we have trouble enough getting ourselves to believe it, but yeah. can you imagine believing in the healing power of God so much? Yeah that you heal somebody by accident. Right, and that's gotta be it. Like it's, it's, it is literally uh, Jesus or bust. Like it has to be. I, I really don't understand this theology of, well, I, I believe God does heal and I believe he heals today. I just don't believe he wants to use me to do that. Well, what is it about you that you hate so much? Mm. What is it about you that you're so insecure about? What is it about you that is a lofty argument that the Apostle Paul again says, it's raising up against God. It's literally, if you have an argument on the inside of you that raises up against the word of God, why are you not killing that thing dead and submitting it to the mind of Christ? Like that's what the Apostle Paul says to do. Take every thought captive and every haughty argument that raises itself up against God and you kill that thing dead and you submit it to the Christ. How is that not happening? Well, well, I think one of the things that we fall prey to so many times is we have a lofty thought that is challenging the word of God, but we don't know the word of God well enough, and that lofty thought reaffirms what we've seen or what we haven't seen. Yeah. So then it's, it's a lofty thought that makes so much sense to you because you've never seen a miracle. You've never seen cancer disappear, a crippled person walk. So to you, it's not a lofty thought. It's just logic, right? So you don't even bother comparing that lofty thought to the word of God yeah. because it's just, oh, this is just a conclusion that I came to because I've never seen right. healing, right? But are you willing to take your thoughts right now and compare them to the word of God? Right. Because we have too many believers, and dude, I grew up this way. We're not trying to hate on anybody. I like being challenged. I like being yelled at yeah. if it makes me more like Jesus. Are we willing as believers to get past that baby? It's not even baby. That, that thought where I believe God heals, and if he really wants to do it, he's going to do it. Compare that lofty thought to scripture and ask God, I know you can heal. I haven't seen you heal very much in my life. Is that my fault, God, or is it your fault? Right. You will look through this book and you will see, respectfully, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. You will see that if healing isn't happening in your life, it is your fault. It is not God's. You haven't been taking him up on his word. You've been waiting for him to move, but guess what? By his stripes, we are healed. Right. He moved. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, and I agree with that, and I, we'll explore that um, more in this conversation. And I think that it's such a weighty statement to make. Like, if you're not receiving your healing, it's on you. And we'll walk down the ladder of why we think that oh, is. Yeah, we're getting um, that. But, but it's gotta, you got to understand, friends, um, he's, he's either all of what he says he is in Scripture or he's none of it. Mm -hmm. Like, he is either all of it or he's none of it. Either he is not a, he is a, a 
what God is not a liar. Let uh, God is true. Let every other man be a liar. Like either God is a liar, either God is not really God, either he's not really perfect, either he's not able to actually do what he says he can do. By proxy, you are then able to do what he says you can do. Um, either he is those things or he's none of them. And it's it's like Christians, you just kind of got to decide like. Uh, do you like the comforter of Jesus? Do you like the salvation of Jesus? Um, or do you like all of Jesus? You know what I mean? It's like he can't just be those things that you appreciate about him and that he's not the things you fail to understand yep. about him. You know what I mean? And it's like what I see interesting in the New Testament um, is I would love it if, if there was somebody who wrote in and was like, yeah, uh, here's a scripture where even the disciples didn't heal somebody. And it was like, we have two, we have, we have one incident where that happened. Just the demon. Uh, and then... Um, they couldn't cast out that demon. Right, couldn't cast out the demon. And then, uh, and then there's the other one in the book of Acts, where it's the seven sons of Sceva. And it's like, they're not even Christians. They are a rabbi's child, and they, uh, they addressed a demon in, um, and they said in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And it's like, they don't even know Jesus themselves, so they have no power because they don't actually have We're a relationship with a God. Oh, 100%. And then there's, um, and then there's, and then they're also going, and then they're riding the coattails. It's like, man, if you were literally in our service and you were like, man, in the name of Jesus who Matt just got done screaming about for an hour and a half, come out. Friends, you, you're, you're, you, you, you don't have my oil, you know, you don't have my supply. You don't have my intimacy with God. You don't have the 17 years that I've put in, uh, crucifying my flesh to grow up into my salvation and to be sanctified. And that's not an arrogant statement. That's literally acknowledging on the plainest, realest level. Yep. It's like, we all want to be Holy Spirit heavyweights, but nobody wants to train like a heavyweight. Nobody wants to train to be a prize fighter. They don't and want it's that like diet. They don't want that diet. Well, yeah, the diet, the training, the exercise, the risk of, of being on the mat, of being embarrassed, of like getting knocked out a few times. And that's what I'm thinking is like, man, um, the disciples, when Jesus, they go like, hey, why didn't he come out? And he goes, like, you of little faith, these things only come out by prayer and fasting. Yep. And it's like, and obviously in Jewish culture at the time, fasting was simply a part of prayer. Um, I fast, hate I fast. hate the world today that we have to just like specify all of these little things, but if we have to, I'll waste the oxygen on it. But um, it's like, dude, like you you have no intimacy with the Father, which is why you have no power. It's like ministry doesn't beget intimacy; intimacy begets ministry. And ministry isn't just church platform Sundays. Ministry is three sixty five, twenty four seven. It's every hour of your life, even even sleeping. And I know this isn't the topic. We're going to continue on the healing train. But even sleeping, God wants to minister to you through your dreams. He wants to give you dreams that will then do ministry in the earth for others. And it's like, dude, I'm telling you, intimacy begets ministry. Ministry does not beget intimacy. And intimacy is where you get your power. Like God entrusts those he knows. God gives to those he knows. So Pastor Matt, why haven't I seen it? Do you know God? I know about God. Well, I would... I would argue you don't even know enough about God if you are debating whether healing is for today or not or whether healing is for you specifically or not. I'm like, why did God make an exception for you? Either he's the whole of the scroll or he's none of it. And so either he says greater works will you guys do than even me except for you, Meredith, 
some random Southern name. I don't know. Uh, besides, besides you, Devin, you know what I mean? It's like, wait, everybody else but you. My blood doesn't cover you. My blood isn't thick enough for you. You have sinned too great. You have done too many terrible things, which again, none of this is in scripture. Any yeah. disqualifier you have for the fact that you haven't seen, haven't walked in and haven't walked out in the healing ministry um, is completely predicated upon you. If you haven't, and you haven't, and you've not seen, and you've not heard, and you've not done the research, and you've not looked into it, man, there's a whole lot of you in there, and none of it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's available. It's available. Right, and that's the thing. I, uh, my issue is I think, I think Christians are lazy. I think Christians mm-hmm. don't want to risk reputation. I don't think Christians want to. Like, so what? You got embarrassed at Walmart praying over somebody. It's Walmart. Keep going. It's Walmart. Like, really? Like, like, like somebody getting healed of, out of a wheelchair is the strangest thing to happen at Walmart? Are you kidding me? Like, way come on, come on, dude. Look up, look up that, look at that people of Walmart Instagram channel. Oh, it will oh, bless yeah. you and scar you. And it's just one of those things, man, where it's, it's honest to God. Like, Christians want pastors and leaders to do the work for them. They want us to save their friends. They want us to minister to them. They want us to set them on fire. They want us to do all the work. And it's like, no, I'm not called to reach your friends. I'm called to reach you, equip you, train you. And then you go out, uh, reach your friends, train your friends, equip your friends, and then bring them back to the house on Sunday and we all do it again. Like, that's the point of Christianity. And so I just, I, I fail to see a valid argument in scripture that Jesus doesn't answer where he made an exception for anybody to not be included, where he ever told one of his disciples, I mean, Judas, Jesus kisses him and says, my friend, do what you came to do. And yet Judas was what? Also casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, Matthew 10, 8. Judas was there. And yet Judas is the cog in the wheel of the sacrificial lamb. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? So if if Judas wasn't even the exception to the rule, well, maybe Judas killed Jesus because he never did any healings. We know he did. You, yep. Come on, man. There is no argument here today where you will get to the end of this and go, healing isn't for today. And if it is for today, it's certainly not for me. And it's not for me to walk in. Um, I don't, I don't believe that. You can't read this whole thing and, and dodge that. Um, so, yeah, one thing I want I to right. clarify. We have to base our experiences off of the word of God, not yep. the word of God based off our experiences. Yep, you can't. That's, that's and we're going to walk down that this. ladder. Why well, you got to live in this and take God up on his word and, and persevere in it. So when I say to, to whoever's listening, if you're not seeing this stuff happen in your life, then it's your fault. I am, I am really speaking to the people who haven't even tried. Right. But for those of you out there who are praying for these things and you haven't seen it happen yet, I'm not going to come up to you and say, dude, your fault. I'm, I'm not just going to bash you because you're praying for miracles and nothing's happening. I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to say, okay, stay rooted in scripture. Persevere. Yeah. That's how you produce faith. You have hope and you let it persevere and it, and it becomes the substance of faith. So for those of you who are praying and are taking God up on his promises, but it's really not happening yet, we're going to go through right now on the practice of healing and why it doesn't always work. So for those of you who have, who have made the commitment to pray for healings, you're not really seeing the fruit yet. We are going to list off a few things right now on why healing doesn't always happen. All right? So number one. 
and we we've which are all symptoms of the human in this scenario you and me not him and that's what we're going to walk down like why because the answer isn't why did god withhold healing the answer is why didn't heal or the question is why didn't healing happen and and that's the that's the uh, brave dark deep waters that we're about to wave into these are questions we have to ask and they're questions that are hard uh because it's going to force you to change so here, here's kind of the theology that I see around a lot of people is, okay, I'm going to take the leap of faith and I'm going to pray for a miracle and then they don't see it happen. So their first conclusion is it wasn't God's timing. And I see that all the time, all the time. So many people, if the miracle doesn't happen, then the first thing they do is blame God. Biblically, number one, the first thing you have to do if your miracle doesn't happen is you have to check your own faith. And then number two, check your own faith. Number three, check your own faith. <laughs> Biblically, healing takes place because of faith. Yeah. God has done his part. Jesus has done his part. Now we release what he did through our faith. So if your miracle didn't happen, you have to question your faith. Now, aside from that, if you've checked your faith and you genuinely feel like I am surprised that this miracle didn't happen, this is not an issue of faith. I think, feel free to jump in anytime. I think number two is either you or the person you're praying for, you have unrepentant sin or habitual sin that you are living in. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. But before we even get to that, I think the, I think the faith of the other person plays a part in healing yep, yep. as well. Um, I think like... Um, you know, those are that are outsiders, like clearly an unbeliever, um, doesn't have any, any idea of Jesus, doesn't really get it. They're the ones surprised at Walmart that you want to pray over them. Um, and they're probably the ones that are pretty willing to let you pray. Um, and if it doesn't happen there, um, I think unfortunately Christians first, (laughs) first, the first thought is, well, yeah, God, God doesn't want to heal them. And it's like, well, why did you not just try again? I think of Jesus with the guy with the, with the crippled hand that, um, he pulls out his hand and then he also pulls him out of the village of where he was living. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was, it was, it was twofold moment in ministry where you see, um, like he's Jesus, but also when Jesus was in his hometown, prophet couldn't do many miracles because of the doubt and people, what they thought of Jesus at the time. Uh, and then also like the surroundings of this guy, he literally has the crippled arm. Jesus pulls the arm in the arm, uh, uh, or no, this is the, the guy with the eyes, the, his eyes are blind and, um, right. And it was, he, he, he could see a little bit. He could see trees, uh, people who looked like trees. And then Jesus brings him out of his surroundings, out of everything he knows, everything he's seen. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, the, the miracle is complete. And so there's a lot of reasons, quote unquote, um, that, that healing doesn't come instantly in the moment. But I think the main reason is probably because Christians give up too soon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, uh, speaking of you of little faith, you of little practice, you of little try. I mean, like, is the miracle so inconvenient that you can't stand there another 10 minutes in, in Walmart and, and minister to this person in the wheelchair? I mean, honest to God, like, um, I think if you, I, that's the thing. I think if Christians truly believe what they say they believe, um, 
you could forego everything else that day if you believe right now um, I am called to lay hands and we're going to see this person um, pardoned of their of their paralysis and we're going to see them blessed and we're going to see the the lame walk again and if that's true um, then you're hungry you're ravenous you're ready to go and you are going to you are going to plead the blood you are going to shake the heavens you're going to pray every scripture you possibly can you're going to cry you're going to weep you're going to do all you can um, to radically see this happen. Now, does, am I saying that's a formula and that's what you need every time? No. What I am saying, though, is that if you are actually a person of faith, then you will you will commit the time, you'll commit the practice, you will commit the opportunity to do it. Um, and then you'll commit to the evaluation like we're doing right now of why it didn't happen. Yep. Yep. And the thing is, Christians, you got to get comfortable first and foremost in healing ministry. You got to get comfortable in the mystery. If you're not comfortable in mystery with God, that's, you're not really intimate with God. There's got to be a, an allowance for mystery in him where you don't get offended at the mystery, but like a great romance, it causes you to go back in further and be like, what is this thing that I don't know about you? Dive Let me explore it. it. Let me come in closer. Let me get even more intimate with you. Like there is something mysterious about you right now. I don't know why you why it, it seemingly didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. Um, so let me draw it, not let me get offended. You know, God, God is, it's an opportunity to draw deeper. And, yeah. and you, could, you could easily make the excuse that, well, I prayed for that person and it didn't work. I'm going to say it's God's mysterious timing. And you can claim that I'm just, I'm just trusting God for who he is and he's a mysterious God. No, take it that step further and say, God, I'm, I don't understand why this didn't work. Right. This is a mystery that you want me to follow, yeah. the, the clues that you're giving. So, God's first, mystery is always for kings to search it out. Like That's what Proverbs tells us. Yes, like, yes. God, it's to the glory of God that he hides things, and it's the, the glory of kings to search them out. Right. And it's like, dude, you've, you've got to be comfortable in it. Like You get offended and you get heartbroken. I understand being heartbroken. I get it. You don't go in the ministry for 17 years and not be heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. But it makes me heart sick for heaven all the more. It means like I want, I want to be where there's no more tears and there's no more pain and there's no more sickness. I want to be in that place. And until I am, I'm going to give of my life to bring heaven to earth mm-hmm. you know what i mean on earth as it is in heaven do you believe that prayer that jesus prayed because he actually said when you pray pray like this yep. it's the example it's the footmark so guess what it's not to the glory of matt's you know prolific healing ministry let me be an itinerant healing minister it's heaven on earth heaven on earth heaven on earth on earth as it is in heaven god in this leg as it is in heaven in his spine as it is in heaven in their marriage as it is in heaven, in his sexuality as it is in heaven, in his broken toe as it is in heaven, in his depression as it is in heaven. I mean, come on, saint. Like, what do you believe? Come on. It's got to be. And I believe, agree. I agree with you. It starts, it starts off first and foremost, what is it in your own faith that is weak? And, and Jesus isn't unaware of weakness and faith. What's the guy say? He goes, no, Lord, I, I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. You've got to be comfortable in being helped in your unbelief. Fill the gap, Jesus. Yeah, it's I'm like gonna take move the leap in. Of faith. Yeah, you fill the gap, Lord. Yeah, he, he's faithful and keep taking him up on his word until he does it. So number one is faith. Number two. Right. Can we just say real quick, uh, real quick? I promise. Um, if you're offended at this already and you're just like getting ready to turn this off, um, I would say this: Please do it. The do God the due diligence of your salvation to the price that he has paid for you with his blood and his mercy and his kindness. Do him the due diligence of just saying to Jesus, hey, I'm uncertain about this. You do say it in your word and I acknowledge that. 
will you help me in my unbelief? Just start there. Just start there. If it's an issue of faith and unbelief, please start there and even just say to God, here's my court case. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I've seen. Here's what you've said. And there's a chasm in between them. Help me with my unbelief. He's faithful. Yeah. He's just faithful. start there. Next. Next. So first I'll just say unrepentant sin, habitual sin. But it's there's different types of sin that I think really injure you and hinder your prayer for others. Were you going to step in? Real quick, uh, before that, sorry, one more thing. Again, with the, with the example of the blind guy and Jesus pulling him out of his village, um, say you are practically praying over somebody at Walmart or Chipotle or, you know, um, some other store, um, probably not Target. Um, but if you're, if you're praying over somebody um, and they got family around them, um, Sometimes that can be cool. Kids can be cool. Like they buy into these things. You know, if there's a supportive spouse, that's really good. Um, but if, they're, if they are around unbelievers and like, and maybe you just don't know that, but you can kind of sense like prophetically through the Holy Spirit, like they're just kind of standoffish. They think it's weird. They're really kind of like just a people of doubt. I would, I would honestly encourage you to be so emboldened to say to the person on crutches, hey, can I talk to you over here for a second? And just pull them away. Pull them out it's of completely biblical. Yeah, pull them out of the 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 people that they're around. Pull them out of that situation, um, and just get them alone for a second and say, "Hey, um, I I really just feel like you know God wants to heal you today. I feel like today there is a God. His name is Jesus, and right now He wants to heal your leg. Would you mind if I prayed over you? Or you know, even starting again, exercise, little weights, um, three pounders, and just say, "Hey." Um, you know, I just didn't want to embarrass you in front of like everybody or make you feel uncomfortable. Um, but I would just, I would love the opportunity just to pray over your leg. Is that okay? You know what I mean? Start yeah. there, start with the three pound weight and then work your way up. There's nothing wrong with that. That is beautiful. That is amazing. God is excited to see you take your first step like every parent is. Look at my kids start to walk. It's amazing. And he's going to be mind blown when you are the cross country Olympian of the kingdom of heaven. But he rejoices in seeing, what's that, Zechariah? Um, um, rejoice the uh, begin because the Lord rejoices to see the work. Don't despise small beginnings. Yeah, yeah. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Zechariah four ten. It's a life verse for me. So just just God delights in those little swings. You know. Okay. Go back to re the sin and stuff. We'll hit that. Sorry. So next step, um, sin gets in the way of your healing. All right. And I got a couple sins in mind that really. First of all, they open the door to demons. That's next week's episode. Um, but they hinder your healing. And for one, fear. Fear will hinder your miraculous healing if you don't address it and get it out. Can God still heal you and take away the symptoms? Yes, we've seen that happen. Um, but God really likes doing the, the deep healing. Um, so if you have fear in your life, and if you have unforgiveness, which is bitterness, anger, resentment, you are destroying your own body. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting because I think people are going to get hung up on fear. Um, the other one, they can kind of make their heads around a little bit. But fear, I think people don't think of fear as a sin. They think of it as an emotion. And uh, friends, I can tell you, if your emotions uh, run you, they're sinful. Do you know what I mean? Like God isn't, uh, God isn't being sinned against when you're scared. He's being sinned against when you take your faith and you put it in what you're scared against uh, or scared about, and then you give it birth to fear. Like fear is literally the opposite of faith. Fear is um, 
putting your faith that should be in God Almighty and putting more faith in your situation, yep. in the outcome of your of your circumstances, in what could be, in the in the uh, plethora of imaginations that you have of how things could go wrong. I know people who literally, instead of their first response being faith and prayer over a sickness, they just die. I Christians, they dive right into fear and they have 16 different scenarios that they have talked themselves into, that they have believed themselves into, that they have faith in more, that haven't even been, the gavel's not been dropped. The diagnosis hasn't been given. Hospice hasn't been called. Like it is not the final hour. And yep. yet you're going 16 different scenarios of how you're just going to implode on the inside. So and that, it's like- That leads right back to faith. Right. And it's like, dude, it's, it's like, like it's sin not to believe God. It is. It's sin not to believe God. Hear me today. Like, that's the sin in the garden. Did God really say? You're dang right, he really said. He really said. It wasn't simply that she fell for thinking she had more than God or knew better than God or whatever. It was the sin of first doubting his word and then doubting his word gave, gave birth to pride. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, fear, fear. It, yeah, the, so, so fear, and what was the other one you said? Sorry. It's fear and then anger. Anger changes who you are. Bitterness and right. unforgiveness 100%. changes who you are. Yeah, yeah. Poison the well. Biblically, the scariest thing, the thing you should be like the most afraid of in your life is holding unforgiveness against somebody. Right, 100%. The, the verses about to the measure you use, I will use unto you, mm -hmm. those are the scariest verses in the entire Bible. And I'm telling you, if you're holding unforgiveness against your parents, against your friends, against this and that, right. it is that seed of bitterness and anger in you, not only is it affecting you mentally, but it's making you more tense. Right. It's, it's, it's affecting your sleep. Yeah. It's affecting your diet. Right. It is affecting everything. And yeah. obviously that's going to start to hurt you physically. So yeah. if, you, if you have some back problems or something like that and it's rooted in anger, right. you might go to somebody and say, I, I got these back issues and yeah. we pray over you and nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I am literally going to ask you, yeah. what are you scared of? Who, who do you need to forgive? Right. And we've had cases yeah. where we're, this, this, we're praying over this, this lady and she goes, you know, I've had these back problems for three years. It's, it's a pinched nerve for three years straight. It hurts. So we're praying. We're believing for a miracle. And right. miracles were happening left and right. We had yeah. the faith. Nothing happened. Yeah. And I, this girl next to me gets a word of knowledge and she said, what happened three years ago that you were so scared of? Right. And she says, the world shut down. Yeah. I got scared. Yeah. And we said, can you repent for that fear that you right. allowed to live yeah. and take root yeah. in your life in yeah. that moment? Perfect. We led her through the repentance of fear. Yeah. And we didn't Come even on. have to pray for her back to get healed after that. Right. The Lord James 5, 16. It. The yeah. Lord just healed us. So yeah. the Lord sometimes won't give you that back healing because yeah. he's trying to point the arrow to, hey, if I heal your back, you're going right. to walk around and then it's going to come back a week later because right. you're still scared. Which is what Jesus says, right? He goes, hey, your faith has made you well. Go and sin no more. Yep. And it's like, so if he just did the, the uh, like the healing part is the light work. It's the heart work that is more difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he's trying to get that Egypt out of you. You know what I mean? And it's like you have an issue. You have sin. And that sin is withholding his healing because it's not that you broke your back and it's a brokenness issue. It is a inner, inner brokenness issue where it's not because of your, um, it's not your spinal column and the vertebrae 
vertebrae that are broken in need of healing. It's literally the sin of fear, the sin of distrust, the sin of unbelief, whatever it is, the sin of bitterness um, that is keeping you in a paralysis state that God desires to move, but in order to heal your back, he first has to get healing and inner healing in your heart. Um, and two, like I think about this, I think about two other examples real quick before we explore James 5.16, which we should do real quick, is Jesus talks about, hey, you can't even bring an offering in church if you got unforgiveness towards your brother. He says, go lay your offering, but not won't put it on the altar. Go, leave your, leave your offering, go, forgive who you need to forgive, and then come back and place your offering on the altar. One, so uh, speaking in terms of being used in healing ministry, do you really think that if God can't trust you with bringing him an offering because of your unforgiveness and bitterness towards somebody, do you think he can trust you with the gift of healing? When you are harboring hate in your heart and unbelief and, and, uh, and, and just bitterness towards somebody else. So first of all, just practically deal with the mess on the inside of you so you can deal on the, with the messes on the outside of you and other people's lives. Come on, somebody. Second of all, Paul says, dude, you can't even take communion. If you've got bitterness, God recently hit me with this. You got bitterness towards these two people. Don't you even dare take communion in this moment without first forgiving them and confessing that sin. And I had to do that because guess what? Paul talks about freaking people dying because they took communion and they did it in an improper mm -hmm. and bitter and anger and hate and unforgiveness manner. And it's like, dude, if you can't even be trusted with the body and the bread, communion with Jesus without getting rid of that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that hate towards somebody, dude, what can God further trust you with on the other side of that? Nothing. Yep. You have got to get this out healed and taken care of first in a lot of manners. And that brings us to James 5.16 because it's what? If you are sick, bring the sick to the elders. The elders will then what? Anoint your head with oil and pray for healing. But if you have sin in your life, confess your sin so that what? Say it with me well. now. Healing may come. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? And, I, and, and listen, like, I think that's such a prolific verse. I think because James is the brother of Jesus who didn't believe in Jesus while he was in his earthly ministry. It wasn't until after the resurrection that this James that we read about believes his brother is actually the Messiah because he meets the resurrected Christ, his brother. Wow. He meets him and that's what causes him. Again, friends, I'm gonna tell you, it goes back to actually meeting the resurrected Christ. If you have a hard time believing this, look no further than James, who for three years didn't even believe him, left him alone, did not want anything to do with him, didn't didn't follow him and Mary, didn't go after ministering God with him. He left him, good Jewish boy as he was, but didn't believe he was the Messiah until he met the resurrected Christ. Friends, if you don't have faith for healing, I pray you get a revelation of the resurrected Christ. Come on, somebody. Come on, this is upsetting me. Um, it's like, dude, James 5, 16, look at this entirety of this Bible, tired of this book, and look at what James, the, the brother of Jesus says, and he would know more than anybody what it's like to doubt the words of his brother, what it's like to doubt the words of the Christ, what it's like to doubt the life and the words and the scriptures um, that Jesus was living and writing by living it. And it's like, dude, he says, this is the game plan. And, I'm, and, and listen, there's other ways, not every, because we see a variety of them throughout scripture as a whole. That's why you can't just build your theology on James 5.16. James 5.16 is just a great tool to build your theology with. Amen. Great tool to build your theology with. Um, 
and in order to build your theology, you got to be what? A living stone. So it's a tool for the living stone to begin to be built into the kingdom of God, the priestly ministry, the royal nation. Um, it's, it's all these things. And so I think that's such a great place to sit there and look at and go, we've then got to turn the gun on ourselves and go, okay, what is the inner work that uh, he says he's for healing? I'm not receiving it. Well, let's trace it back. When did the sickness come upon me? What was I going through? What was the event in my life that took place? And even, even here's the deal, friends. And this is why the forgiveness part of this is so specific and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the fear of it all. Um, because a lot of people don't believe fear is a big deal, but it's absolutely the biggest deal. Fear is the, is the mind killer of faith. Um, listen, we use words like, what was the event that took place? Well, I don't know. I just got sick, you know, five years ago. And honestly, it was a great year. Okay. What's that moment that maybe wasn't an event in, in the way that we think of events, but was the moment that was the turn of events that was like, when, when, did, when did doubt enter your heart? Yeah. What happened? Like ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you so you can confess rightly and get healed immediately. What is it that was like, yeah, it was honestly like, it was when the number I didn't know popped up my wife's phone and I looked at it and I got insecure. I thought it was a guy saying, hey, how are you? I thought it was this. And I started feeling insecure about myself, insecure about my marriage. I started doubting her. I started uh, having disparaging thoughts towards her. I started rehearsing to myself. I always knew she'd be the cheater. I always knew she'd be the one. I've always been faithful. And all of a sudden, it was just this little moment. It turns out it's Deborah. Deborah just got a new number and messaged her. And you didn't know, but it was this little moment that, yeah, like after you talked to your wife, because you, you flew off the handle without any context and confronted her, she was like, it's Deborah. She got a new number. And we, we're girls. We call each other babe all the time. What are you talking about? Like, do you need me to call Deborah, you little insecure, you know, uh, Tommy? And it's like, what was the moment? And it's like, you don't think of those moments as the thing that was the, was the, um, the uh, foothold that got open. Yeah. Like a foothold is literally something that holds a door open. It opened a window. Where did the devil get his hook in? Because you allowed something to be open that you, again, you had no context for. You didn't take your thoughts captive. You didn't submit them to Christ because Christ would have been like, give your wife the benefit of the doubt. She's your bride. You're supposed to love her and trust her and uh, protect her. And if yes, if something's going on, you will confront it, but don't let this run away with you. Problem is you let it run away with you. And all of a sudden here we are eight years later and you are dying of cancer and you're going, well, what is it? And it's like, dude, did you forgive your wife for that thought in your head where she didn't even sin, but you thought she sinned and it created freaking sickness mm -hmm. in you? And, and that sounds extreme. That sounds extreme. And there's, there's people that say, I, okay, I believe in the miracles. I believe why, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. But I don't think it's rooted in fear. Fear is not that big of a deal. I don't think it's rooted in unforgiveness. No, we just said two examples biblically where sin can kill you yeah. and hurt you 100%. physically. They right. were getting sick in the Corinthian church yeah. and dying yeah. because they were taking communion. Yeah. They were living a sinful life, taking yeah. communion in the way the Lord didn't intend. Right. They were getting sick and dying. So when Matt says that a scenario like that where somebody has a sin seed of fear in them yeah. and then they die of cancer right. at age 40, right. that is 
very, very likely right. that the cause of an early death is right. because of fear. Before you bitterness. turn the gun on God, you've got to turn the gun on yourself. You have to. You've got to turn the gun on yourself. Look on the inside. And also, not to mention the the moment in Acts, which this will screw with your theology, is when they sold off their things, gave it as an offering, and yet lied about how much they got and kept some for themselves, and God killed them. Their sin... They were a part of the church, but because they lived in such a way, God killed them. Let that mess with your theology. Well, that doesn't sound, yes, it does. That's who our God is. And guess what? Everything he does is good because he says, I'm a good God. Now all I do is good. So it was good that he killed them right then and there. I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure they're in heaven, even though the last thing they did was sin. I think that uh, they did have an actual relationship with God, but he took them out. And you Why know, is that? Are we going to allow that? Are we, are we going to allow God the grace of that mystery and then to explore that with him and then lead us to the inevitable place of, man, sin is real. And it's a real problem. And, and I, I tell you what, just because we, we are so advanced in technology that we have a term for everything medically, right. it doesn't mean God and the devil don't have their hand in what happened. Mm -hmm. Because if that story of Ananias and Sapphira happened today, we would chalk it up to it had nothing to do with the Oh, random brain gave. aneurysm. It was a brain aneurysm or it was a heart attack. Right. We would diagnose it because, let me tell you what, they might have had a brain aneurysm. They might have had a heart attack. Right. I'm sure a doctor could diagnose what happened to right. them. But that doesn't change the fact that they were struck dead by God because right. they lied to the Holy Spirit. Right, yeah, he blew up their brain. There you go. Like, so, it's, so just, why? Just because there's a medical, yeah, there's a medical term for what's going on. It doesn't mean it's not a spiritual root. Listen, that, these things, ahead. these things, like I'm not saying you have to get comfortable with these things. I'm saying you got to get consecrated by these things. Mm. You don't have to get comfortable with them. You th that can make you uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. I sit here and go, man, I'm not comfortable with God that killed somebody for for lying and offering and not giving them a chance it to, wasn't to murder. repent. Right? It was not murder. He did not murder them. They unrighteously. Uh, and lied and gave an offering. It was there's layers to this player, and God killed them. And it's like, okay, I'm not telling you to get comfortable with that. I'm telling you to get consecrated by it. Consecration oh supersedes comfortability. God doesn't want you necessarily to be comfortable with Him. He wants you to be consecrated in Him. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Galvanize, set apart the forge again. Welcome to the name of the podcast. There's a reason for it. You are burning away all of the impurities on the inside of you, and you are being refined back into His image and likeness to Genesis, to Eden, to His original intent that you would look and sound and act and believe and pray like Jesus. Oh man, amen, amen. All right, what's next? All right, what's next? Um, this, or, this or we run it down the clock. Where are we, we at? Are, we are going to speed through this last part. All right, part. let's do it. Um, the next step is spiritual, as in demons. So mm -hmm. I, I, people really try to separate um, the effects of sin and the effects of demons. And, and I do, there is a line, like, if you're just angry, it doesn't mean you have a demon of anger. Sure. But the Bible, you if could. you read through the book of James, <laughs> yeah. sin and demons, although they are two different things, they work like this. Right. Sometimes they are completely, not completely, they are very indistinguishable from each other. So somebody, their back might not be getting healed because they're scared, and then somebody else, their back might not be getting healed because they have a spirit of fear because they were scared. Right, well, and look at, okay, so look at real quick, Acts, uh, is it 16, where... Um, I don't think it's 16, it's further up, or it's further back. Anyways, where uh, Paul and Silas, they heal the, 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 
the fortune teller, right? They heal her, uh, but they cast out demons out of her. She was in slavery. She was in bondage. To talk about slavery and bondage, it all goes back to healing and sickness. You're in slavery and bondage to your sickness. Look at this verse. He, they cast the devil out of her, and all of a sudden, she couldn't fortune tell anymore. She couldn't tell people their past. She couldn't commune with spirits. She couldn't be a medium. All these stupid mm-hmm. things that devils want to get you into. Ever notice how the devil can't tell you your future? He can only tell you your past? Hello. That's what he does. And fortune tellers, that's what they do. They don't tell you, you're going to do this. You're going to win this. You're going to go here. Great things are going to happen for you. They go, oh, someone you know wronged you. Someone this. And like, there's this person in your past. They're trying they're to They're trying you. to shape your future. They're not <laughs> telling you what it is. 100%. They don't know. Right. And this, so it's so silly when... Paul uh, cast the demons out of this girl, and it ruins the entire economy of this town because the guys who were running the town were the dudes who were making money off these fortune tellers who got demons. Look at Mary Magdalene. I'm getting somewhere with this. Look at Mary Magdalene. Jesus casted what? Seven devils out of her, it says. Seven. And we know she was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. So what does that tell you? Sin opens the door for the demonic to come and play. And, and they, guess what? They influence your body. 100%. She's, 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 uh, and what, what, what do prostitutes do? They numb the pain. They know that they're, they know that they're sick. We can look at our world today. Guess what prostitutes are doing? Uh, people who are stuck in sex slavery. They're numbing the pain, numbing the shame. They're stuck in bondage to alcohol and drugs and all of these things. Their bodies are not well because your body was not intended to be you as a ragdoll for sex, sorry for the explicity there, to be as used as a ragdoll for sex to be abused by someone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't intended for that. Sex is holy. Sex is consecrated. Sex is actually an act of worship. Sex is an amazing thing between you and your spouse, man and woman, hello, uh, in a covenantal re- uh, marriage relationship with God. Hear me today. It was never intended to be this. And what happens is it opens up these doorways for the demonic to then plague you, to slave you, to bring in further sickness and to bring in these things. So I agree with young Micah here when he is saying just because you have anger or just because uh, you have cancer doesn't mean you have a demon, but it also means that you don't. And I think, that's, that I think that's something that has to be explored, somebody. Like you've got to look at it and go, man, if we got all the faith, if I'm confessing all the sin, if I'm doing all these things, what is it? And then you start going down the list of like the things that normally trigger demons. And you start to look for a manifestation. You start to look for those guys that are We're trying to We're getting to that next them. week. We'll give a whole right. rundown on this and stuff. And it's like, here I am. I have a spirit of infirmity upon me. Well, what, what does your cancer say about you? Well, I'm just a cancer patient. Mm-hmm. Well, I have chronic sickness. Chronic sickness has become an identity for people. I have chronic depression. That was the next step. I, I am just, what are you speaking over yourself? Right. Well, it's like it's, it's you are identifying uh, you you have married the identity that the demonic has given you more than the identity that the divine has given you. You know, I like my alliterations. And it's like, dude, heaven has spoke a better word over you, and you're sitting there doing X and Y and Z, smoking yourself down to numb the pain of your chronic back illness instead of just laying down at the altar and crying and believing God for faith, uh, for faith to believe and to receive healing. And it's like, dude, one is taking you further into bondage, and the other one uh, would take you further into Christ, which is your ultimate freedom where your healing comes from. Choose your adventure, man. Amen. So, so that, that right there is the last three reasons that we were going to go through on why people don't okay. receive healing. You nailed all of them. So it was uh, the spiritual aspect, the demonic. Yes, Christians can have demons. We're going to make an episode on that next week. Right. Um, but 
sin and demons go hand in hand. Right. And sin and demons also go hand in hand with physical ailments. Right. Not not that if you you know slam your head on on the bed when you're trying to get up, uh, you have a demon because of it. No, that's that's not always the case. But a lot of sin and demons, they're trying to kill you. The goal is to kill you. Right. Um, and I would so, say too, like if you look in scripture briefly, if you look in scripture. Um, oh well. It was only unbelievers that had demons, so de- Christians can't have demons. Uh, well, first of all, I believe Christians can have whatever they want. Um, but also, what do unbelievers do? Sin, perpetually. Why? Because they have no hope outside of it. They have no hope. Even their good is dirty rags to God. Even their good without Christ is dirty rags to God. So even when they attempt to do good, they're still in sin. Like, you know what I mean? They're because they're open door. Yeah, and that's, again, so then what happens when a Christian sins? The devil's like, yeah, I want to get in there and mess that place up. Are you kidding me? Use some freaking logic, people. If sinners who live in perpetual sin are demonized, what do you think happens when all of a sudden the you're, sanctuary is unleashed? You are getting in the next week. Right, It's but, but hold on, but hold on. And then from there, of course sickness is able to happen. Of course paralysis is able yeah. to happen. So many times that we've seen healing take place in our church, it was because there was some demonic activity going on due to a person opening up their lives and opening up their minds and opening up their soul to the demonic in things that weren't intentionally opening up the door to the demonic. But it was like you were harboring hate. You were playing around with things that you shouldn't be. You started trusting in other sources besides God for your healing, whether that's medical professionals, uh, which God does use, but you're putting your hope and faith in pills and in diagnosis, or you're going the other route and putting your hope and faith in precious metals and precious oils and uh, freaking rocks that uh, are supposed crystals. Like, dude, like, you believe in every doctor, witch, or PhD besides the great physician, Jesus Christ. And that's your problem. Mm. Yes, so yes. Demons. <laughs> but um, I'll also say this. All right. I think we got to turn the gun on God real quick. Um, and here's the deal. Turning the gun on God should always be the last resort. Why? Because we do not have a single scripture to back up God saying, yeah, I'm just not going to heal you. I'm just going to withhold this. Like, there's not a single moment that you can point to where God goes, hey, it's just not in my will for you. Sorry, champ. Best of luck next time. Sorry. You, you played Russian roulette with a Russian god, and uh, surprise, you don't, you don't get it. That, we don't have any of that in Scripture. And so here's the deal. We have to be people of Scripture. We have to be planted in the Word and ran by the Spirit of God. We have got to be because here's the deal. Your theology has to be, what's theology? Thoughts on God. Your thoughts, your beliefs on God have to be based on God, not your experiences. Not even your experience with pastors, your experience with great faith leaders, or your experience with great churches. Because guess what? Pastors, faith leaders, evangelists, churches, we are fallible. We are not infallible. I am not Christ. I am. I long to be as much like him this side of heaven that I possibly can be. Um, and, and, and that is everything I'm going to give my life to is being sanctified and growing up into the Godhead that is my salvation, Jesus Christ. That's the game plan of my life. Um, however, I am fallible. I am uh, but dust, just like you. And there are things in me that I am still actively having to kill. And so if all your faith res- uh, and your experiences uh, are rising and falling based on what happens with Pastor Matt, what Pastor Matt says, and what Pastor Matt does or doesn't do, friends, you are missing the whole of the scroll. Don't eat the whole of Matt McClure. Don't eat the whole of Micah Kramer. Don't eat the whole of Takeover Church. Don't eat the whole of whatever church you're a part of or pastor you're underneath. Eat the whole of the scroll because everything else is fallible. Everything else will fail you. Everything else inevitably is not 
omnipotent, omnipresent, um, and able to do all things according to his will. So friends, you have got to eat the whole of the scroll. And so when we turn the gun on God, we've got to look and we got to go, has God never not healed somebody in the scripture? No. Did he ever go like, uh, you know, this? these things only come out by prayer and fasting or unless I decide otherwise? No, that's not the scriptures. That's not what it says. So you're either going to keep this belief off the altar and refrain from being a complete living sacrifice, or you are going to pull everything, your unbelief and your belief, everything that you are currently up on that altar and say, God, burn upon me, burn upon me. Keep me on this altar. Don't let an unbelief slip off. Don't let an arm roll off. Don't let a leg roll off. Don't get uncomfortable. Continue being dead, living on that altar and allowing the word of God to literally be the backbone of your faith. Everything that you do, it is the crux. It is the whole of the scroll. It is everything. And if God is for something, you're for something. If God's against something, you're against something. And you let that be how you live your life and you'll begin to see the miraculous happen in your life. And I think the other thing too, we got to look at real quick. I know we're running on time here. I hope this is blessing you guys and encouraging you. Um, I think the other thing we got to look at real quick is childlike faith. It's got to be childlike faith because guess what? Child believes what his dad says. I grew up with a situation where my dad was a bad guy. I grew up in a bad house. I grew up in a bad home with bad people raising me. I grew up with bad things happening in my bad home. Okay, and guess what? As a child, I believe my parents were undefeated. I believe they were amazing. I believe they had my back. I believe that they were the greatest parents on the earth, even though I knew something was wrong. But guess what? As God's children, nothing's wrong here. He's perfect. He's taking care of us. He's making an amazing place for us. Jesus says, I have gone to prepare a place for you, so I send the Holy Spirit now to be within you, and greater works will you do. Jesus is greater, and he's preparing a place for you. And that Father, that God, that Holy Spirit, that man, that Christ, guys, he is undefeated, unfailing, and completely able to do all that he says he can do. And so like child, like a child, we need to respond with that childlike faith. Because if you can believe that about your broken house and your broken dad and your broken mom and your broken family, if you can believe with wide eyes, man, they can do no wrong, guess what? God can do no wrong. Literally, whether you believe it or not, he is incapable. He is able to do all things, incapable of doing wrong, incapable of doing everything right. So you've got to get back to childlike faith. And guess what? If you have, if you have, um, what is that thing? Uh, if you have uh, seminaried, Bible studied, theologyed your way out of childlike faith, get back to your first love. Say, God, can you touch me again? Show me that I'm your child again. Bring me back to that moment where I first met you and I believed all things were possible before I grew up to be stupid, where I grew up to be disobedient, where I grew up to believe everybody else's words on you than your words on yourself. Oh, that'll preach. I believe everybody else's words on you than your words on yourself. Childlike faith. And we gotta be pioneers into the childlike faith because we live in a nation that that was full of Christians that grew up and they forgot what it was like to be a kid. And if we're going to go back to that, we have to be pioneers into it so our kids can live in a place that was broken into by us. It, it, can you imagine how far the next generation can go in the faith if we take the courageous steps as a church right now 
to break into the promises of God. Yeah. It, is, it is your role as a pastor. It is your role as a parent. It is your role as anybody who has any influence at all. It is your job to break into the promises of God so then the people that you influence, they see that as normal. Yeah. A good, healthy marriage is something that I see as normal Right. Because my parents broke that curse over my family line. Right. So now I can step into that promise yeah. and I can even go further into what a healthy marriage looks like. Yeah. This is how it is for the church right now regarding the supernatural. We've abandoned it. Yeah. We have to be the pioneers, turn around, break into that inheritance. Yeah. So the generation underneath us says... It's normal to heal the sick. It's normal to pray over somebody who has cancer and see him get healed. Well, let me take it a step further and go raise the dead. Right. It's it's our job to turn the tide. Percent. Turn the ship right now. Yeah. And I even look at I look at the world we live in today and I go, man, um, Christians need to fight to protect the innocence. We gotta protect innocence. I mean, look at look at the children. If we're looking at childlike faith and trying to keep that, um, we have to keep that innocence about us. And in and the church has done a terrible job at protecting innocence. Um, look at the world today. Um, the church is either going to teach good doctrine on these things, or the youth of tomorrow are going to buy in and be indoctrinated by the sins of this world. I mean, look at the look at the, the the evil agenda of Satan. Satan has children believing that you're a girl, but you can be a boy. You can, you're a boy, but you could be a girl. They are teaching you that homosexuality is a lifestyle that produces life when it absolutely doesn't, it only produces death. It's literally indoctrinating kids into sin, into uh, hate, into fear, into worry, into bitterness, into all of these things. Uh, and it's actually like a total lifestyle that produces only sickness. Sickness only comes from these things. Sickness only comes from promiscuity. Sickness only comes from these acts. And so it's like, where does sickness not come from? Where, where do you not get AIDS? In a man who's a virgin and a woman who's a virgin coming together and having a covenantal marriage in Christ Jesus where the only people you're having sex with is each other. And the only people you have had sex with is each other. And I gotta look at this, guys, because like, well, why do you gotta bring this into it? Because it all plays together. This is a sandbox that is big and it all plays together. And you've gotta understand, man, if, if, the, if the evil in our world is able to convince children that you're a girl and you can be a boy and a boy can be a girl and they're able to actually like entirely believe that, then the same principle has to apply to God's kingdom where we can actually convince children to believe the word of God. Where it's like, no, my God says that he's a healer. My God says that when I go to preschool, man, my, my best friend who broke his finger today at lunch, I'm gonna lay hands on it because I have full assurance that my God is able to, to heal a broken pinky. It's like, dude, they will believe it. And guess what, Christians? 70, 17, 7, however old you are, you've got to have the same childlike faith. We have got to get back to that. We have got to get back to that. Well, I want to be a mature Christian. Jesus calls mature Christianity childlike faith. Not childlike in your theology. Not childlike in your doctrine. Not reckless. Yeah. Not lack of discipline right but you gotta believe right but it's the yes amen you gotta, gotta believe teach it so then take god at his word for for you and i to have faith we have to unlearn stuff right and then break into the promises for our kids to have faith all they have to do is learn yeah it's way easier to learn than it is to unlearn yeah because you've experienced 
Mm-hmm. We, the thing that we have that hinders our faith is experience. Right. The things we have, luckily, that develops us into maturity is also experience. Right. But we can't let our experience uh, take priority over the word of God. Um, so that leads me to the last question. Uh, first, just a little recap, the things that hinder your healing. Faith, 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 lack of faith, lack of faith, lack of faith. Check your faith. Second, sin, habitual sin, unrepentant sin will keep you from getting healed. Next, you if you have a demon and it is staying there, demons are very good at hiding, that can and will hinder your healing. And then second, Matt touched on these. We didn't specifically say it. The power of what you're speaking over yourself. If you are choosing to identify with sickness, then you will continue to be sick. That is something I had to repent of because when I was a kid, I hated school. So as soon as I got a little bit of a headache coming on, a little bit of the sniffles, I would say, I am going to identify with that sickness because I want to stay home and watch TV. Yeah. And that plays right along with the next thing is what are you speaking over yourself combined with a victim mentality? Right. That will keep you sick. Example being, not just the chronic sickness that we named earlier, but for me, I overcame a weak immune system by just simply declaring over my body, I have a, I have a healthy immune system. Like literally, because for the longest time, I was like, man, I'm Irish, I don't get outside a lot, I'm pale, um, and I come from people with weak immune systems. We always were sick. People were always sick. I just come from that. And you would just, all of a sudden, you don't realize, but that's, that's something you are literally putting on yourself. And it's like, wait, is life and death in the power of the tongues or not? And I started literally turning that around by saying, no, 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 that's not my inheritance. Mm -hmm. That's not what God's done in my redemption. That's not what he's done and saved me from. I have a healthy immune system. I am made to overcome sickness, 100%. And so, yeah, while your history may be one of a a weak immune system, your inheritance is a powerful immune system. Your your future uh, largely is determined by your tongue. Yeah. just as it says in the book of James, you can turn the horse, you can turn the ship. Um, so if you've had a weak immune system in the past, you know, what were you saying? What right. were you saying in the past? Right. Uh, and what are you speaking now? And if you're one of those guys that likes the scientific proof, scientists have, have recently in the last few years discovered that the vocal nerve center in your brain, when you speak something out, that nerve center takes control of all the other nerve centers in your brain and it literally commands them what to do. So even if your body is physically sick, if you speak life over yourself, scientists just discovered that that has a massive impact on the way your body deals with the sickness, which is something that obviously we've known for a long time because it says that in the Bible. But if you read the science, there's the science. What you speak controls what you think yeah and and that combined with a victim mentality is the last two reasons that we have on our list right now of why you may not be receiving healing um and very quickly the last question is for those guys who have listened through and are fired up and say i want to take god up on his word but i am in a church i'm in a place that does not do this stuff it's, it's full of doubt. It even discourages praying for healing miracles. Matt, what do I do? I feel like I'm the only person that believes in these miracle healings. How should I go about doing that in the, the place where I'm planted? Well, you got to pause and you got to ask God. And you, got, you should take significant time with this um, 
because God is never for uh, is never for blatantly just dishonoring somebody. Now, if someone's walking in heresy, uh, then yeah, like it's it's on the brothers and the sisters to call them out and to do those things and to pull you know Matthew uh, Matthew's verse into it about approach them one on one, approach them with a brother, approach them with a few of you, and then bring them before the church. Um, so obviously, like we get how to do that, um, but the first response should never be the call out. The first response should never be um, insurgents, disobedience, trying to create an uprising underneath the leadership. The first response should be, God, are you still calling me here? Like, and you need to pray and you need to fast and you need to go, Lord, if you are calling me into deeper waters and I'm either to be a part of birthing that in this church or I'm called to go and be a part of what's already been birthed in another church, I need you to tell me. Because I, I am on fire by you, and I want to steward my fire the best I can. And if that comes down to not being here, then I'm willing to leave my friends and family to steward my fire and go and join my fire with someone else that's burning. And if it is to be here, Lord, I need your grace. I need your patience. I need you to instill in me that character and perseverance that will take me to the finish line uh, here at this church where I may be being thwarted by elders. I may be being uh, lied about and gossiped about by other people. Um, and I may be being told by the pastor, I need to you know, dampen my flame. So teach me how to honorably stay and remain and yet stay aflame a, a and ablaze for you. So first and foremost, if that's you, you need to stop and you need to pause and you need to be, begin praying. Uh, and I would even say like, I would even say um, not that you stop praying for people at that church or stop interceding or whatever it is that your ministry is, um, but I would say just make your shift your priority from showing up every day and praying over somebody or just radically pursuing that. It's going to sound bad, but hear me you want to make sure that you're doing that in the will of God first. And not that God's will isn't for healing uh, or isn't isn't not for healing. It is. It always is. But when I say the will of God, I mean his will for your life. Like his specific will is it to stay here. Find that out first. Keep, keep praying. Keep doing those things. But just put the emphasis of your life on getting clarity for where you're to be. And then from there, your gift will make room for you. Like, that's the bottom line. God put that on the inside of you, and you do need to guard the deposit that he's placed on the inside of you. And that'll be healthy stewardship of it, of growing it, of using it, of sowing it, of multiplying it, of bringing other people into it. And guess what? If he's calling you to stay in that church, then you are going to eventually get the pastor's blessing or the church is going to move and the pastor is going to, you know, resign uh, or be pushed out or whatever it is. Or, you know, it's going to be revealed, unfortunately, that the pastor or the elders or whoever are shagging people that aren't their spouse or have a drug addiction or whatever it is. And there's going to be a reason that the spirit of God was being stifled in that place because there was people who were personally in places of power stifling the Holy Spirit in their own life. And that's going to be revealed. So if you're called to stay, trust me, um, you, here's the deal. We have Christians who are all about fight or flight, and none of them are interested in the soil. Hear me today. Hear me today. If you are called, you arrive at that point in time where God's saying, no, you're called to stay, and I'm going to have a place for you, and this is going to happen, then you need to marry that word. You need to marry that word because here's the deal. It might be six months. It might be six weeks. It might be six years. But that word is going to come to fruition if it came from God. Yeah. And guess what? The time that it takes of you being a dark room prayer warrior, a dark room healer, a dark room deliverer, where 
yeah, you're feeling like you're running contraband in the church of healing, uh, and you're feeling like you're, you're um, you know, having to do things on the low, I am telling you, by the time your gift makes room for you, where God reveals you, where what he has developed in the dark room is then finally put on full display for the church to see, but not just the church to see, but to be edified and blessed by, by the time that happens, friend, it is going to be the most succinct, distilled, potent, powerful powerful gifts that we've ever seen. The problem is Christians, they would rather get out than be developed in the dark room, be hidden in obscurity, and have to, guess what? Be obedient to follow somebody even though you know they are in disobedience, but you're not actually following the pastor. At that point, when you've received that word, friend, you are following God. You are following God. And he is saying, you stay, you remain, you allow me to keep you in the incubator of intimacy. Come on, somebody, the incubator of intimacy and what I birth in you and through you is gonna be so powerful and so potent that at its proper time for its release is gonna radically destroy the powers of hell. It's gonna radically edify and bring to edifice the majesty, the perfection, the masterpiece of the body and the bride in that area and in your church. Mm-hmm. And it is gonna set ablaze a people in a region for God. Why do you think we haven't given up a takeover church? Because man, I am, I am, I am being undone in this season of obscurity where our church is a little over 100 right now where it's like, man, I feel like we have the best thing going because God actually shows up. But guess what? Right now, bro, he is distilling he is distilling the impurities out of us. He is giving us the grace, Micah. This is grace that we are able to outwork our impurities and imperfections in private and in hidden, obscure places. And that by the time God reveals Takeover Church in Grand Rapids to the level of which we believe he's going to do, it is gonna be the most potent and powerful place for his presence in our region that we've ever seen. And it's because we've been faithful to the dark room and friend for your ministry and your healing and all the things that you're pursuing in God right now that you are so set ablaze by, it's the same thing. Stay where he says to stay, serve where he says to serve, love where he says to love, be faithful where he says to be faithful and recognize you are not living for the approval of that pastor. You are not living for the approval of that elder. You are not living for them to co-sign and co-stamp your ministry. You're living for the co-sign, the co-stamp of heaven. And when heaven stamps you, what man can reject you? What man can reject you? Nothing. Wow. I I was going to give a way... (laughs) Your answer was way more anointed than mine. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, wow. Be obedient and marry that word of God. Um, But for those of you who wanted to get into healing, and maybe you're part of like a weekly prayer meeting where the leaders aren't against it, but they they don't encourage it so far. We're in a warehouse. That was a semi. Yeah. Um, if you guys are like asking prayer requests or something and somebody just says, yeah, my, I got some back pain, and you guys just do a general prayer. You're not really taking God up on his word. Mm. So healing doesn't take place. Just kind of tap that person on the shoulder be like. All right, I was on the macro level. You're on the, on the micro level. level. Okay. I'm getting really Let's go. down. Hit the nitty gritty. Uh, Let's do it. Little nitty gritty. Let's go. Tap that person on the shoulder. Say, hey, can I pray for you Right. Uh, once this meeting's over? 
take them aside, kind of what Matt said earlier. If you're not in an area of faith, kind of just pull them aside as the Lord leads. Yeah. Say, hey, I believe for healing, and I believe for the laying out of hands. Maybe give them a scripture or two, and then just say, will you believe and, and pray with me for healing? Yeah, like and if you lead a Bible goes. study at a Reformed church, like God bless you, you're going to have great you're gonna have great Bible knowledge. And so just take that and go, hey, on the way out, do you mind if I yep. pray over you Don't, out by the cars? Just going along with what Matt said, if, if yeah. they're given prayer requests, you don't stand up and rebuke everybody for saying, how dare you guys not stop the meeting and lay hands on them right, right. now? Just pull them aside. And then also, if the Lord's leading, um, maybe you have that type of relationship with the leaders and you have that closeness in your study where you go, yeah. hey, guys, uh, he just gave a request for a physical healing. Before we move on to anything else, yeah. can we just lay hands on him yeah. and, and just pray? Yeah. And if you have that type of leadership that's not against this stuff, I think they're yeah. going to say yes. And you'd be surprised, yeah. actually, how many people would be very encouraged right. that you're trying to take God up on his word. Right. Because, guys, listen to me right now. You may be scared to step into the supernatural. There are so many believers who want to take that same step, 100%. but they don't have the courage to take the step. Right. So when you the take one. the step, you might feel alone taking that step of faith, but you are actually the pioneer who has 10 people that right. see you take that step and they right. say, I am right behind you. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're going to lay hands on that person. They're going to beat you to it. Right. You said the word and they ran over and laid right. hands on them. So there is more faith in the room than you think there is oftentimes. 100%. 100%. And I would say this, because, right, we're, we're sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? So that, therefore, uh, just by Scripture alone, we already know there's more faith in places of sin uh, than there's not, and it's available to tap into. Second of all, um, look at what, what, what happened when Jesus decided to be the one. Mm. What happened when he was like, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the one you've been waiting for. And he didn't listen to the contradictions of man. He didn't listen to the doubts of anybody around him, the naysayers in his hometown, but he stepped up into being Christ. Now, okay, well, that was Jesus. Of course he did. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's pause right there and, and go, what about Peter? What about Peter? When, when Jesus appears to 500 disciples and he has the duty and diligence of keeping those disciples in the upper room, of staying and remaining until the promise of heaven comes and you are clothed in dunamis and the Holy Spirit fills you, Peter then had to what? I'm the one. I'm the one, the revelation that he's going to build this, the, the rock he's going to build his church upon. I'm the one. And so what Peter had to do, he had to contend. And as he contended, he stayed in the upper room and he kept 120 of them there faithfully for 10 days until the promise of the Father came, the Holy Spirit came, and they were then clothed in dynamis, the power of God. Friends, don't underestimate. When you're being tugged on and you're like, I'm the only one here, praise God you're the only one there. I'm glad there's someone God's glad there's someone. Answer the call of God in your life, risk limb and reputation, and watch what he does in your small group. Well, there you have it. If you're, if you're willing to take that next step, let me tell you, you don't even have to have the gift of healing. There, there's a difference between the right. various and we can do we can do a healing. podcast on measures of we, things. We will get yeah, into very specific stuff for those of you that want to get specific. Stick around for a while. Um, we're learning too. Yeah. But every believer should be praying for this stuff. You don't have have to have a special word from God about healing cancer. That is something that is an anointing and a gifting that you can have. But as a Christian, biblically, you have no right to say healing isn't for me and God's yeah. calling me to a different type of ministry. He just wants me to preach. He just wants me to evangelize. What are you guys. preaching about? 
that this healing is part of the gospel. It is part of the gospel. It is part of the atonement, and it is part of evangelism. It's part of preaching. It's part of Bible studies, small groups. It is part of everything yeah. uh, that you do. Jesus, um, if you asked him to just leave that part of him aside, you're missing. Uh, you're going to miss a lot of the Bible stories. You're going to miss a lot of his personality. Yeah. You're going to miss a lot of what he has available to you. So I just encourage you guys that stuck through this whole episode, just be obedient to the Word of God. Yeah, this is like the Joe Rogan podcast of uh, it's, Christianity. Yeah. Like we're just going to riff on a, a topic uh, for two hours, and uh, <laughs> and we'll get there. Um, and I I agree with Young Micah. I think this. Um, I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, and I don't know when it's going to come out. And maybe I've already said it on stage, and it's going to be a whole place of where God's taking us. But. Um, Man, he showed me recently as I was looking through some church history, um, and when Peter was leading the early church, Peter had a phrase, um, and it's not it's not recorded in scripture; it's extra biblical, um, but it's actually it's like recorded by atheists, which is why it's funny because um, unbelievers were just like, "Can you believe this guy?" Um, and uh, it, Peter's recording of having a mantra in the early church. You ready for this? This is literally a mantra of the early church. So, uh, so the followers of the way before they were Christians, they had like the Jesus fish that they would draw. That's what that's called, um, and the Eutychus or whatever, um, and they would draw that, and that would let you know that you're in a safe place for Christians. Cool. Um, Peter had a mantra, and this is so Peter, and I think it's a gangster. Uh, Peter's church, um, they had this phrase, they were Christians, the ones who laugh at death. We're Christians, those who laugh at death. And that's going to be a part of where we're going as a church this fall. Um, we're going through intercession right now, and we're going to grow up into a place of being those who laugh at death. That's the place that Takeover Church is going to next. Uh, there's a little preview for you there. But, man, I feel like that word is for the church today. Ooh. I feel like that word is for us today, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Like, we are the church, those who laugh at death. We will also talk about prophecy at some point. Because that right there is a prophetic word. Christians, those who laugh at death. Those who laugh at death. Wow. All right. That's my next tattoo. Same. I already got a really crappy chest tattoo, so I wish I could do a good chest tattoo right there. But <laughs> I had my scene band days, uh, like all great millennial pastors. Um, but sweet. Young Micah, do you want to you wanna hit anything else before we pray out? or we? Uh, no, let, or let's we, pray this thing out, man. That was heavy. We, I think we did it. That um, was a lot. Um, guys, we don't. We're not trying to look down on anybody. I don't think I'm better than Matt. Matt doesn't think he's better than me. No. But is there such thing as a Christian who is more holy than another Christian? Certainly. Let me say this. How old are you again? I am 23. 23 years old. I'm 32, just for context at, this, at, the, at the time of this recording. Um, I got to say, dude, how old did you say again? 23. That's what I thought you said. Uh, Michael Jordan here. Nice. Uh, listen, I wish... Um, so speaking of not being better than anybody, man, I just want to say and honor young Micah. I wish at 23, uh, I was, I was where he was at, you know, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've been on fire for 17 years, but I got to tell you, man, um, like I wish, I wish I was, I wish I had the flames to the heights and the degree, uh, that young Micah does at 23. So this isn't about being better. It's about growing together. It's about yep, finishing yep. the race well. Um, and that's the whole game plan. Like again, friends, miracles are awesome, but they're unto a greater glory. They're unto the glory of God and all the earth. And they're also unto you finishing your race well. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of all this, it's like, man, um, I'll say this though. I don't know that finishing the race well looks like living a life where you never healed nobody or never had a miracle. I'll say that. I really do. I don't know that you arrive at Jesus' doorstep one day and he goes, hey, well done, good and faithful servant who did nothing. <laughs> That's scary. 
<laughs> Matt, we were at such a good ending point, and then you, <laughs> yeah, and then you hit us with that. I know, I know, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to encourage you in your faith this morning. Um, don't let that, don't let that bring your head down. Let that make you lowly. Let that bring you humble. Let that bring you before the throne and repent for not believing in the miraculous, believing in the healing power of Jesus, believing in the gifts of the Spirit today, um, and just say, God, hey, breathe on me, breathe on me. Get desperate. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Got a lot to talk about, <laughs> um, but you, you want to pray us out or should I? You prayed last time, right? I hit this yeah. one. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for every single person listening to this. God, I pray for the pastors um, who are not only listening to this, but are going to hear about it from their uh, their church body and are going to have questions and are going to be sent this podcast going, what do you think of this? God, I pray for them. I pray that they would draw into you in the secret place. God, I pray for pastors, God, who would just be ignited for the secret place of like, man, I just need to get back to basics. I need to get back to that first love with Jesus. Um and, and get beyond all of all all of the systematic theology things that we get hung up on. And I, God, I love those. I affirm those before the throne of heaven. I love rich, robust theology. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to get back to the place of just loving you well. And I pray for every pastor that would just be able to love you well, God, that they would examine this when people send it to them or they're listening to it on their own. And it would be out of a place of not wanting to debunk or fight what we're saying right now, but out of a place of like learning to love you well. Like, what does that look like to love God well? Um, and so, Father, I just also pray over every person listening. I pray for a galvanization of their faith, God. I pray right now that they truly were in the forge. I pray that, yeah, they're feeling a little hot under the collar. They're feeling a little discomfort, or they're feeling just absolutely, that's what I've been saying. I'm not crazy. I have been touched by God, and I'm going to burn all the more uh, because these two nobodies in Grand Rapids said that I should. And so, Father God, I pray for every single person listening to this. I pray that the fire upon the earth would be... Um, would be uh, birthed in the earth in this hour, God, that right now we would have a burning body, people, and bride of Christ, God, that are not going to take no from man or a no from hell or a no from unbelief or sin or fear, and they are going to give in to the yes, the yes, the yes, the yes, the yes of God. And they're going to pursue all of these things relentlessly, God. Revival or bust, let it be our nature, God. Never retirement, revival or bust, God. We love you, we give you everything, and we're willing to burn for this because you have called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, ignite us, ignite us ablaze for the glory of God in the earth. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Forge podcast. Thanks for sticking out with us. Maybe, maybe listen a couple of times uh, if you have the ability to do so. But yes, be kind to your pastors. Pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those who uh, struggle with unbelief. Be kind. Um, love them well. Rebuke those that are just silly, absolutely freaking lutely. Um, but be kind to your pastors. We have a hard job. It's, it's incredibly difficult, and uh, we have a hard calling. It's more than a job. It's, it's a, it is to die a thousand deaths every day um, for the glory of God to see him move in people's lives. And so please love your pastor as well. Pray for them daily and uh, continue to burn for his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here at The Forge. Bye-bye.